Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And I'm joined again this week by Donal O'Donovan, the business editor of the Irish Independent. And this is part two of our predictions of what's going to happen in 2020. Last week, we talked about 5G and all kinds of interesting technologies that are going to come from that. And this week, we're going to look at the TV streaming wars, RTE. We're going to look at um, what's going to happen with the tech gadgets to expect and many other uh, items like that. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. So I would be an optimist in terms of the media in in general, because I think that I don't subscribe to the view that the media is doomed just because newspapers are struggling with print ads or, or, or broadcasters are struggling with uh, broadcast ads. But on the other hand, I think RT is going to have a very, 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 very tough time in 2020. And I think it's because um, Netflix, for example, released uh, data recently showing that their biggest growth is in Europe. They have 46 million subscribers across Europe now. And I would say that Netflix is maybe the number one subscription TV service now. And I mean more than Sky. Or certainly it's close to Sky. So Sky is about 600,000, I think. I'd say Netflix is either... Is, is there or thereabouts? And that means it's as twice as many as, as Virgin Media. Yeah. Um, it would have three or four times as many as Serview. Um, and it's, of course, incredibly cheap for Netflix to roll out in Ireland. Incredibly cheap because they're basically just piggybacking off uh, the, the, the networks. Now, mind you, the service itself is incredibly, it's 12 quid. Yeah. I mean, that's just very cheap for a month of stuff and you might say oh I watched all the stuff there's loads of stuff on there's there. new stuff comes on all the time and I have three small kids so Netflix is great they're sort of boxed mm. off it's not like YouTube where you know every other now, and this comes to the other point. so what's going to happen in, the in 2020 grass. if you have three kids yeah Disney Plus is coming mm-hmm. soon um, Apple TV Plus will continue its uh, slow rollout um, all of those are going to be in competition with each other and with Netflix and RTE. So for 2020, I would say someone like you is going to potentially see your TV subscription bill go up slightly or a lot, <laughs> I think. Yeah. You might disagree with me. You might say, well, well what? If, if, for example, Disney Plus came online and you could And Disney has the best frozen, library and it does. You, you think, well, okay. So would you, would you pay for it? Uh, I would, but I'd probably drop Netflix. Okay. 
So you would actually substitute one for the other. Yeah. So there's nothing on Netflix that you really watch or you want to keep an eye out on or or you or, you, or the rest for a family. Okay, fine. Um, but I, I, and I and I watch that. I, I enjoy that. But mm. what did I watch last night? I watched The Death of Stalin, which I saw in the cinema. Oh yeah, which Hilarious. is a great movie. Yeah, very uh, And I was delighted it was on there. Yeah. But if you know, I didn't have it and I didn't know it was on there. Okay. Cool. Well, I think that everybody's subscription bill is going to go up in 2020. I also think this is very bad news for RTE. I think that the um, bodies like the Television Audience Measurement um, Association, TAMS, in, in TAM in Ireland, which, moder- which uh, measures the uh, how many people are watching conventional, traditional uh, TV, mainly for advertising purposes, I think they are going to have to really reevaluate the way that they measure numbers in Ireland. I think there's... I, I think it's going to be a very, very gloomy year for um, terrestrial TV in Ireland. I think the cuts that they announced, um, 55 million euro, uh, euro, up to 200 job losses, I don't think that's the end of it. No, because they're they're sort of skirting around the edges. That RTE hasn't figured out its mission. Hmm. Whether it can go on being all things to all people, so hmm. you know, both a commercial and a public um, I mean, it's a, it's service. a very... It's a very complex, like, and I should I should state from the beginning, I would be more sympathetic to RTE and the public service broadcasting uh, ethos and paying a TV license than probably the majority of my journalistic colleagues in in the media. Non RTE journalistic colleagues, non RTE journalistic colleagues. Yeah, non RTE. So because you know, we because we have we because we don't get any license fee and we have to really scrap to get our products out. You know, we, and because we compete with RTE. Yeah, we compete with RTE. We, we do sometimes take a view that they're kind of protected and they're slightly cosseted. Um, I, I take a slightly different view in that I think they have a different mission to us. And overall, um, I'm glad that RTE exists. And I have um, wrote a column for the Sunday Independent a few months ago defending why we need a public service broadcasting uh, in Ireland. And m- my view is... The, the, the way that I defend it is I've been to the States so often. I've seen how TV has degenerated into the US. Well-meaning people who uh, want to believe their truth and what you end up is for Fox News and MSNBC. Yep. You end up with shouting on the left, shouting on the right. Polarization. Polarization. Both are utterly, both sides utterly convinced that their side is is the right and the just and the true cause. We see it in Ireland a bit on Twitter, you know. We see it a lot. Yeah. see it a lot. And we, we, we start to hear it on the radio as well. Yes. Radio stations here, they're starting like you one You see it way, anywhere where, where, where just cause sort of news and information is opinion-led. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, you know, in newspapers, we sometimes succumb to that as well. So I think that by funding RTE, somewhat independently you take it's not like they have no pressure but you take some of that pressure off them so that you do um you've a better chance maybe of having a you know a, a, a kind of down the middle um set of broadcasting or journalism principles which is less beholden to the pressures commercial pressures than than we would yeah or that other media um entities uh, would be um, but, but then how does that I think when RTE is inclined to talk about its public service remit they're inclined to talk about their history mm. and I grew up in, in RTE land, so we didn't have mm. uh, UK channels or, 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 or any sort of any uh, foreign channels when I was a kid we had RTE 1 and Network 2 RTE 1 and RTE 2 mm. RTE 1 and Network 2 
Um, and it was straightforward. That was TV, and therefore, you know, you paid your TV license. There was no yeah. great, you know, mystery about it. Yeah. That is gone, totally gone. Mm. I mean, not only is there absolute choice on television, but as you say, you know, people can go to Netflix, people mm. can not be on, on, on traditional TV at all and feel that they're perfectly mm. well served in terms of entertainment, if not necessarily news. So or talking about its history is a bit pointless and when they you know, they haven't done a good job and no one in D Forbes hasn't done a good job, no one in RT has done a good job of articulating a mission for the future and what that actually would look like and how it would need to be funded. So you know, what what, what politicians are hearing in, in in sort of dull committees is that, you know, the costs are X mm. and that the costs can come down Y, but that, you know, something has to fill the gap. Yeah, so I mean, um, see, uh, the government and, and politicians, they, they, this idea of a broadcast charge maybe being considered in seven years' time, like, the, they know, that there's no way that they want to go back to voters and say, we're going to up your licence fee or we're going to introduce a new broadcast charge. That's just impossible. In you know, the, the ghost of the, the water uh, charges are kind of hanging over them a bit, yeah. maybe more so than, 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 than the reality because people by and large do pay their... Yeah. Uh, I'm always surprised that, the, you know, the TV licence um, rate of payment is so high, but of course then lots of people don't pay because they mm. uh, have various kind of reasons why they don't have to pay. Oh, as in legitimate reasons? In legitimate reasons. Oh, yeah. Know, like OAPs people or... And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, look, there's a lot we could talk about here. If you're just joining us, by the way, you're listening to Donald Donovan, the business editor of the Irish Independent, and myself, Adrian Wackler, the tech editor of the Irish Sunday Independent, and the here the big tech show. Let's move on to a couple of other things. Uh, the tech gadgets to expect. You can just listen. No, I'll just listen. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you what I think is coming. Well, we mentioned the 5G iPhone. That's coming in September. And that is going to completely change 5G because once the Apple uh, marketing machine gets going on what 5G can do, uh, it will kickstart a new ecosystem, new developers. Uh, there'll be more bandwidth, uh, more apps. That's what I think is going to... I think the 5G iPhone is going to be the biggest tech launch of next year um, for what it will do for 5G and, uh, and for maybe for Apple as well. But also that company is going to have likely another product and that's augmented reality glasses and this is something that we haven't really spoken about much because when we talk about this kind of tech it's usually virtual reality the big clunky headsets you put on that cuts you off from the rest of the world and you have to do it in your bedroom or your living room whereas with augmented reality glasses you're talking about something a little bit more like a combination between Snapchat's glasses, Snap glasses, and Pokemon Go. That's a very, very crude, rough uh, explanation. But what you're talking about is a pair of glasses that lets you see digital art artifacts mixed in with your everyday life. It's like extended reality. And Apple has been working on, on these for a while. It's a big believer in augmented reality in lots of its iPad and iPhone demos over the last few years. It has shown off AR apps. And if Apple really goes for this, um, whether or not it's ultimately a flop, it's going to be a very important tech launch for 2020. And what's the point? Is that an entertainment feature? Is that a... Most of the early uses for it are industrial. Right. So if you look at a product like Microsoft's HoloLens, which it was Microsoft's big tech product about four or five years ago, it's still there, but it is never really released to consumers. Most of the use cases for that were in factories 
and allowing designers to work on a 3D model. So imagine you're in a factory and you've got a pair of augmented reality glasses and you're plugged into a cloud program that has the factory mapped. And Or let's say you're in an Amazon a warehouse, if they have any humans left in Amazon warehouses. Um, you could walk around and it could show you in real time what's where. Mm-hmm. It, could, it could maybe... Uh, uh, mix in with an inventory list. So, so scanning the barcode yeah. as you go by. I mean, a very, very uh, rough estimation would be if you were a tourist and you were visiting Dublin and you had these glasses on, You, I suppose you could turn on, switch on and off a guide to what is what literally as you're walking down the street. It would show you in real time. It could then give you guidance. Maybe that's hooked up to an audio system. In theory, that could be useful. It might be annoying. We don't mm-hmm. know because we haven't tried them yet. But that is one of the potentially big products for uh, 2020. Um, there's still the folding smartphones, which were a disaster in 2019, which weren't properly released. They will be properly released from Samsung and Huawei in 2020. You'll remember that Samsung's Fold, when it was given out to journalists to test, the it broke. The glass cracked when it, when it was bent, um, they will be released in 2020, although they'll be over 2,000 euros, so you won't be getting it for 20 years. <laughs> um, I think Microsoft's Surface Duo, which is a dual-screen Android device, will also be a very big deal. I've been quite impressed with um, uh, Microsoft's hardware products over the last while. Last week, we released a podcast talking about the best products of 2019, and actually Microsoft had uh, two or three. And then finally, 8K televisions, which I think are useless um, and will be useless. But that is, 8K is the new 4K. So you'll walk into Harvey Norman or Power City or Curry's and sometime around March or April, you're going to start to see, you know, the, the new, new thing is 8K and it'll, it'll be like a 70-inch television. And you'll see this fantastic loop and you'll be thinking that looks amazing until you realize that actually it looks almost identical to the 4K loop that you saw because to see the real benefit from 8K on a screen, I think it has to be above 70 inches or something like that in the same way that if you have a 40-inch TV now, which is small for a new TV, you it's almost impossible to see the difference between 1080p full HD, which was what we have had for the last six years, and 4K you only really see the benefits of 4K after sort of 45, 50 inches. So you want a big Mac Mansion style sitting room? No, it, what happens is it's usually a, t- a two-bed terrace house in Cabra that gets the 65-inch t- TV, sticks it on a wall in the living room, has to move the freely tasseled sofa to the other side, okay? And then usually gets a big feck-off soundbar uh, to put under uh, underneath it as well, you know, so they can watch the Copa America, you know? Um, by the way, that would be me if I if I lived in uh, in Cabra. Um, so 8K is going to be um, uh, one of the big uh, one of the big gadgets I think. Um, let's let's wrap What about up. cars? What about um, electric, electric cars? cars? Electric cars it's not quite a, a gadget, but I'm seeing more and more mm. um, Tesla so electric cars. And yeah, in funny like Tesla's the one you'd notice because it's like a status car. It's like seeing a Bentley or a Mer- not a Bentley. Well, also because it, when you see the the badge it has to be electric. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it's electric. Yeah. I don't know how many, I think there are, there might be, I think there are several hundred Teslas now, uh, maybe even over a thousand. So over the last few years, it, it has grown. We've done podcasts on electric cars before, and I've gotten into awful trouble with electric car owners 
because they think I am talking it down too much. My point about electric cars, somebody who has tested them and driven, not extensively, but who has tested them on occasion, driven them for the guts of six, seven years, is that they're amazing cars to drive. I want one, I want to buy one, I want to switch to one, but the range has always been utterly pathetic and the infrastructure is even worse. The infrastructure is shockingly awful. Now, on the range, it has improved. Mm -hmm. So where it used to be standard about 100 kilometers, it is now closer to 200, 250 kilometers. Electric car owners say, you're underplaying it. You can get 350, 400. You can only get 350 or 400 if you either buy a very expensive one, like a Tesla, or it's not the winter time and you have nice warm uh, temperatures. If I'm driving from Dublin to Belmullet, which is a 320-kilometer drive, I cannot reliably drive in winter there and, uh, on, and forget on one about charge um, if uh, I have you know, the majority of electric vehicles that are currently on sale in the Irish market that drives electric vehicles. Nuts when I say that because they, 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 then they start saying that I'm, you know, I'm, oh, I'm fossil fuel car industry. He's obviously in the... It's absolute nonsense. I'm just telling you what I find. That's As somebody I, who wants to drive an electric I car. I spoke to someone in, 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 in the UK recently, and I think one in eight UK cars is, is electric. But then it's a much more Sales? Urban, sales of new cars. Sales. So not one in eight cars. No, uh, no, 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 yeah. no. I've, yeah, but it's a much more urban... So you can live in London yes. and, 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 and very rarely venture they out. they have Tesla superchargers uh, um, uh, in, in, around London. Um, so the range is not an issue? No, the range isn't an issue. The range is an issue in Ireland. Now, it won't be. I do think that there are going to be more sales of electric cars in Ireland in 2020. At the moment, I think it's still low single digits, I think, uh, sales. For a while there, up until beginning of 2019, I think the total number of electric car sales was something like, it was something pathetic, like six or 7,000. I might be open yeah. to correction on that, but it was really, really small as a, as a uh, percentage. It will be better in 2020, but the government is very, very slow on this. They're not doing much to incentivize it. In my opinion, the government would say they are. I don't think they are. Um, and um, so, but 2020, we'll see an increase in, uh, in electric cars. Will we see Tesla's Cybertruck, Elon Musk's Cybertruck? We won't in Ireland. I'm pretty sure we won't. I don't think we'll see it next year at all. Um, I also think it looks like it's straight out of a 1998 Windows maze computer game. It's, it does look like something from a dystopian future yeah. as opposed to... Uh, How many polygons you can, you can put in a, a single car. Let's see, anything else we have to go... What else is going to happen in 22? Oh, well, there's Windows 7, I suppose, if you... If you want to be, if you if you still one of the one in four people who uses a Windows Seven PC, you should know that on January fourteenth, Microsoft or if is, your employer is, if your employer is more importantly, Microsoft is pulling security support for Windows Seven, and the reason that's important is we all remember the WannaCry virus a couple of years ago, and that was affected disproportionately people who were using out of date Windows XP PCs, including the HSE. Yes, that's right. Which had to shut down. Uh, temporarily, um, a whole a whole chunk of its IT ecosystem because it was based on uh, Windows XP um, machines. So uh, if you haven't updated Windows 7, uh, do so, or change to Windows 10 rather, uh, do so. Um, it's not expensive to buy a new laptop or PC. You can do it for 200 quid if you are, uh, if you're strapped for 
uh, cash. But I do think that's one of the issues we are going to be talking about in early 2020. Um, I suppose we can't let it finish by without talking about fibre broadband, the national broadband plan in Ireland. At this point, people's eyes glaze over when we start talking about this. Not yours, Adrian. Not mine. I love it. I love every moment of it. Um, in case you want to know exactly what's happening with that, the contract has been signed with uh, this company called National Broadband Ireland, which is David McCourt's company, Granan McCourt. And 2020, you won't see any homes connected. What you'll see is 300, uh, I think they're called community broadband points or broadband access points or something like that around the country uh, built. And the first homes will be built in 2021. There'll be 250,000 built um, that year. However, I do think that when they do finally start getting those connections out together with the rollouts from Air and Syro, that fibre is going to utterly take over the country's infrastructure. This is more of a prediction for 2021 than 2020, because despite what critics say and wireless operators say and all the others, when you have a choice to go for either fibre to the home broadband connection offering you, you know, a minimum of 150 megabits reliable broadband in all weather and up to 1,000 megabits per second, for around the same price as you'll pay for an aerial on your roof that will give you, you know, 70, 80, 100 megabits per second, maybe more, but may cut out if there's a storm and won't ever really get you that much more than that reliably. I, I think it's a kind of a no-brainer um, in the long term. And I think the, the take-up figures show that. The most recent figures from Comreg show that uh, fiber broadband demand is 92% year on year, whereas most other forms of broadband... I think one, one thing that'll be interesting there is whether the National <coughs> Broadband Company can actually build the capacity to, to hit its targets. Um, well, if they don't, they don't get money. The way, yeah. the way that contract works is if they don't hit their rollout target, the government literally doesn't pay them sub the subsidy. And I think... That, that's that subsidy. And there on. comes a point where, where then the whole thing becomes unviable again, which is down the road, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see how they build up the capacity because they're a new business starting mm -hmm. out. Air have done that. Air have rolled yeah. out fibre to a lot of the places, yeah. you know, Absolutely. Air, air, air around has, the country. Air has, everybody criticised the deal that the government did with Air, which might, might have wrecked the competitive tender for the National Broadband Plan, but Air have built those 300,000 rural uh, fibre-to-the-home premises. In fact, they built 330,000 of them. And AIR is also about to start replacing its urban city and large town telephone uh, network with fibre. So if you're in a suburb in Dublin or Cork or Galway or Limerick or Waterford and you're on with Sky or Vodafone, which uses AIR's telephone uh, copper, copper network, and you're getting you know 22 megabits per second, but sometimes it goes down to eight or nine, um, you are likely going to be getting a fiber upgrade in a couple of years' time, and that's that's a huge deal. I think I, I actually think in five years' time, Ireland is going to have a really, really, really high-end um, broadband network overall. Not everybody, but I think the vast majority of homes will. And that matters because the way people work and shop 100%. and consume media uh, is all going to change. Yeah, I, 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 I'm a big believer in that. I've argued that all along. I mean. 
I think it's fair to say the Irish Independent, Sunday Independent, Independent newspapers in general has been a little bit more, we, we have been a little bit more supportive of the idea of a connected island of, of, of be it fiber or, or any other, uh, any other um, uh, technology than other media titles have been. Um, I, I certainly have, have been of that view, but also because we were a national paper. We actually represent people outside Dublin and Cork and Limerick. We get the thrown at us sometimes. We do. You know, what, you know, you, you're, but like, I remember writing stories. We went for the government, hell for leather, and why isn't this happening? Like, what, what are you doing with broadband? People have no broadband. But city-based media, they don't get as annoyed or excited about rural people not having broadband. They just don't. No, and, and there's a funny, I don't necessarily want to have, hop off anyone, but there is, I think, I suspect that if Finland had mm. absolute sort of, you know, uh, connectivity to the nth degree and Singapore had it to the mm. nth degree and we didn't and we weren't aspiring to it then that would be a huge problem mm. and the fa- setting aside obviously the, the the tendering process and all the rest of it but the, the the aspiration to have that I think it you know it is where you think the money is in the scheme of things affordable and should pay for itself mm. although you should always watch the money obviously and 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 that, that's why I think national broadband's ability to to create a machine to actually roll this out is going to be something to, to, to be watched. But but Air has done that in fairness. But ultimately, I mean, the benefits are, you know, very, very significant. Maybe not for print media. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be that once, you know, very fast connections to broadband is ubiquitous, then that accelerates the the, the general shift online. Um, but, you know, but, but, but that's happening anyway. That, that's happening anyway. Yeah. Exactly. That shouldn't necessarily uh, be a reason to, you know, to just... Uh, be against it um, uh, the whole time. Um, okay, look, I think we're going to wrap up there. Uh, thank you very much for your time, uh, Donald O'Donovan, the uh, business editor of the Irish Independent. We didn't even get to Facebook. We didn't even get to the Digital Safety Commissioner. We didn't even get to loads of things. But you know, there's only so many uh, hours in the day we have. Um, hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Thanks again for joining us in 2019. We're going to be right back in 2020 with lots of interesting stuff. Let's talk about lots of interesting guests. And uh, yeah, hope you have a good one. Bye-bye.